Well, greetings and welcome, everyone, to the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. Last summer during the pandemic, Dr. Goldstein spoke about how inappropriate it was for a government official at any level to second-guess doctors about what could or could not be prescribed for their patients. Now, as we fast forward to June of 2021, a headline and story inform us that the nation's largest healthcare insurer will retroactively deny emergency room claims. The aim is to have the insurance company and their customers save money, but others say that the consequences could be more costly or even deadly. Now, while that sinks in, let's welcome respected neurologist and founder of the Houston Healthcare Initiative, Dr. Stephen Goldstein, and get his view of this. And Dr. Goldstein, when I first read about United Healthcare's new policy, I got the idea that emergency rooms were clogged with people who had the symptoms of the common cold or could not get in to see their family doctor, had an ingrown toenail, or some other non-emergency. But that is not the case, is it? No, it is not. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, only 3% of emergency visits are, quote, non-urgent, unquote. These are usually Medicaid patients that have long waits to get into a primary care clinic. A much larger number have acute medical problems that they perceive as emergent, but from a physician's perspective, are not severe enough to warrant treatment in an emergency room, but do need treatment either in an urgent care or a walk-in clinic appointment or a telemedicine visit. This may include such things as lacerations that need sutures, infections requiring oral antibiotics, intravenous fluids for dehydration or treatment of nausea, vomiting, or headache. You know, published reports stated that United Healthcare paid billions of dollars associated with emergency room visits that were not really emergencies and should have been treated somewhere other than the emergency room. Does United Healthcare have a point? Well, yes. But the answer is not to retrospectively deny payments for ER care already rendered. What this does is force the hospitals to deny care for, quote, non-emergency care, unquote, as defined by United Healthcare. However, this is not practical because the hospital is more afraid of a potential lawsuit if a patient has refused care and has a poor outcome as a result. The patient then will be stuck with a large bill that will not be paid. I do not see United Healthcare actually doing this. They will be overruled by the court of public opinion. Okay. Is it really true that emergency room services are overutilized? Well, how does one decide that? There's no way to answer this question. The CDC says only 3% of ER visits are, quote, non-urgent. But this begs the question, do all urgent problems needed care in the ER? Managed care adherence would suggest a protocol that would say that certain symptoms need ER care, while others could be seen in an urgent care or still others in a walk-in clinic. I suspect that is what healthcare will ultimately try to do. Okay, but do you think that this is the best way to solve this problem? No, I have an entirely different take on the matter. This is just another example of an insurance company trying to, quote, manage care. They see a problem, namely that they think the emergency services are overutilized and think they can manage the problem. 
The first step they are trying is the usual method of operation. They simply deny payment. After this doesn't work, they will try the protocol. My current view is that patient assisted by a physician should manage the care. I believe that any patient should have immediate access to a physician, either by phone, text, or video visit. The physician should be able to advise the patient how best to access the healthcare system. This physician may be able to diagnose and treat the complaint then and there, or advise an immediate ER visit, urgent care visit, or walk-in clinic visit. In the future, algorithms developed using big data will provide even better personalized care than a physician and will be better at performing this function. But this is not the case now. Yeah, is it, is it really practical to expect immediate access to a physician, though? Yes. Many companies that are self-insured are providing a telemedicine to the physician within a few minutes at no charge to the patient. Okay. Um, can you, can you uh, give a practical example of how this would work? Sure. Say you tripped and fell. After the dust settled, you notice that your wrist is swollen and quite painful. Think you broke your wrist. You need to go to the emergency room. But instead, you use an app on your phone to consult with a physician on a telemedicine. Now, as long as the bone isn't sticking out and you have movement for your fingers and have normal sensation in your hand, you do not need an ER visit. Treatment would consist of a splint of the wrist ice to keep the swelling down, and medicine for the pain to keep you comfortable. The doctor can call a prescription for medication to the drugstore. The rest yourself and apply ice, or you can go to a walk-in clinic at the drugstore where a splint could be applied for you. This would take much less time and be much less costly than a trip to the ER. The wrist might still be broken, but an x-ray ordered by a physician can be obtained in the next day or two as the orthopedist would not apply a cast for two or three days until the swelling went down. Okay, now, returning to the fact that United Healthcare paid out billions for emergency room care, does United Healthcare have a point when it says it's overpaid? Well, if the point is that healthcare administered in an emergency room is too expensive, they do. But United Healthcare negotiated the prices they pay with the hospital. If it is too expensive, why did they negotiate such a high price? How do we know that it's too expensive? Without a free market, how does one know what the price should be? This is where managed care breaks down. If the price is set too high, there's plenty of supply. If the price is too low, shortages of services result. We have a complicated system where private insurance company prices are too high and Medicare and Medicaid prices are too low. And the managers struggle to keep the system afloat. Thank you, Dr. Goldstein, for helping make sense of this decision. Dr. Goldstein mentioned the conviction of United Healthcare from the Court of Public Opinion, but there is more criticism from no less than the American College of Emergency Physicians, who strongly condemned the decision by United Healthcare to retroactively deny emergency care claims. The American Hospital Association also objected to the policy. They stated that the retroactive denial of coverage for emergency-level care would put patients' health in jeopardy. But if someone from United Healthcare would like to come on the podcast and convince us all, 
that this was the best way to operate for everybody involved, we would love that, and we are easy to find. Now, you can listen to over 50 episodes of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast on the website, which is www.houstonhealthcareinitiative.org. Plus, there's lots of other information associated with those podcasts and news coverage about Dr. Goldstein and the work he does with the Houston Healthcare Initiative. Hey, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. As always, tell your friends about us and come back next time for another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast.